Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Ken here, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Meyer. Meyer is the co-founder of Care to Translate, which is a digital tool for patients and healthcare professionals. Now, this is quite interesting, as as you know, because we're in the current, in the middle of the COVID-19. So we're going to talk to Meyer, you know, how she went about setting up this business, um, what were the challenges she faced, how is COVID-19 impacting the business now? and what the future holds. So welcome to the show, Maya. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for having me today. Oh, thank you. Could you tell us just briefly a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, so my name is Maya. I'm originally from Munich, Germany. I have a background in, started in architecture and then moved into management consulting. And uh, in 2014, I started my first tech business. And since then, I've been... Uh, in the tech business, in the startup business in Stockholm. Wow, interesting, because I started off in finance as a management accountant, and then I moved into financial systems and then moved in more into tech. Uh, It's it's interesting how you different backgrounds and, you know, diversity and add such value. Um, Maybe we can touch on that later, but could you tell us what inspired you to start Care to Translate? Yeah, so uh, I'm the co-founder, but the person who had the idea is Linus our CEO, and he had the idea when he was studying to become a medical doctor. Okay. Um, basically, it was not an idea, it was a necessity because he was treating patients and he couldn't understand what they were saying because they were speaking other languages and not his language. So then he started to think about how could he go about to make uh, interpretations and translations more accessible. And after a while, it's, you know, he first wrote down translations on a paper, which he was carrying around. And uh, it all evolved and developed and uh, became language courses. And in the end, it became an app. And when he launched the app, he never had the idea of starting a company, but the app t- uh, took off and it was spread virally. And that's when he wanted to start the business. And when he started the business, he was looking for co-founders. And that's when I, when I joined him. Uh. And my expertise was not from the healthcare sector, but my expertise was from advising other companies and also starting other companies before. So that's why we joined forces together also with two others from the healthcare industry. So at that stage, was it like an MVP, MVP product or was it actually a yeah. good product, would you say? Well, it was already better than having nothing, okay. I would say. As Lino says, already the paper he was carrying around was better than nothing. <laughs> So, and it worked quite well, but obviously it was an MVP and compared to what we have today, it was a lot more limited when it comes to number of languages and number of uh, phrases that were translated in the app, but it was very much appreciated. It was launched in Sweden initially. We set up the company in Stockholm, Sweden, and that's where we grew grew first. But uh, one year later, we launched it basically worldwide. And now we have users from, I think, 169 different countries, which is a wow. lot. 
Yeah. That's incredible. Is it most, uh, is it like who are your customers? Is it mostly the hospitals or? Yeah, uh, so. Uh, yeah, I would say mostly it's the end user. So it would be, for example, a nurse or a doctor who finds out about our product and they can start using it for free. We just recently launched a version that patients can download for free as well. So before we did that, it was more or less a tool that could be accessed mainly by healthcare professionals. And after a while, uh, they would spread it to their head of staff or clinic uh, supervisors who could make make a decision about purchasing the product. So I would say uh, starting off, it's been more on a, a bottom-up approach, okay. uh, spreading to the end users who will then communicate it to, to the decision makers. Very, yeah. very interesting. Just yeah. from a practical, just from our listeners, just so we understand how it works exactly. Yeah. Could you just talk us through like an example of, you know, a case yeah. where a patient would have a problem or... Yeah. And that medical person, how they resolve that? Yeah. So uh, the app can be downloaded on all app stores. So you download it, you open up the app, you have some onboarding that shows you what you can do with it. And then you basically enter the, the main view where you are asked to select the patient's language. So the phone will actually detect that you're using the app in English, so you won't have to choose your own language. Mm-hmm. And then you have a patient, let's say they speak Arabic. So then you uh, enter Arabic as the patient language. And then you have big library with many different categories and phrases. So if you know you work within reception, for example, then you can open the category reception and you have a list of many phrases that are commonly used in that order. So you can just click on them and then the sound will be played in the patient's language. And also the text will be shown in the patient's language. And all phrases are either instructions, information, or really simple questions that can be answered with yes, no, or pointing. So there is not like a big answer needed from the patient's perspective. Very, very interesting. And we, you can translate basically from uh, yeah, 30 languages, and you can cross-translate from and to all languages. So... If you want to translate from Somali to Russian, go ahead. So, and, and you can also use the app in all the languages that we provide translations for. So if you download the product in Russia, for example, you will access the Russian version of the app. So what languages did you start with initially? Arabic was the first language. That okay. was also the language that Linus had trouble communicating in. He actually, before he started writing down translations, he started studying Arabic, but that took too long <laughs> to actually be able to communicate. And then we, we prioritized, obviously, the immigrant languages that we have in Sweden. So those were the first ones that we looked into and translated to. But now we're looking at uh, all the big languages that are needed in the world. And we have 30 languages so far, but in total, there are over 6,000 languages. So wow. there's a lot we can do. I mean, not all are big languages, but our goal is to reach at least 150 languages. That's incredible. Yeah. A lot of work to get there, I guess. A lot of work, but uh, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. And we're taking it step by step and adding new languages all the time. So even though it's, it's a long way to go, it's happening quite fast as well. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Could you say this so for the benefit of our listeners? Because, you know, there's a lot of people there with some great ideas out there. Mm-hmm. They might even have an app already. But how do you go about taking it to the next stage? I mean, in your experience, what did you do? 
that's a hard question. Yeah. I mean, for us, a leading word or principle has been scalability. So we try to build a product that is as scalable as possible. So it's easy to get out there. It's easy to spread in different kind of markets. We want a product that can just be downloaded and be used right away. But also when it comes to scalability, we're looking at our own company, our team. So being prepared to grow, having the right team in place and also the right processes. Mm-hmm. And obviously you don't know all of that in the beginning. So for us, it has been very valuable to have a network of great advisors. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things we did was we joined an accelerator program in Stockholm Mm -hmm. where we get access to great advisors for once, but also access to the entire Stockholm tech scene where we can get help from any kind of people, basically. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I mean, could you talk us through some, maybe some of the challenges that you had going through the business? I what mean, big challenges. Yeah. That stood out to you. Big challenges. I mean, one big challenge I would say is finding the right team member in the right time or when you actually need the person. And we are always looking for people who are more experienced than we are within mm-hmm. the field that we're recruiting for. And at the same time, we're still a startup, so we cannot pay the wages of like the big companies. Yeah. So there needs to be another benefit for the person to join us. And for example, we, we have an options program, which is great. But then again, you have to find a person who would take the options instead of a high salary. So I would right. say that's a very, that's always an, like a, an obstacle for us to mm-hmm. be able to move faster. Yeah. So far, I would say that's the biggest one. And. That's interesting when you mentioned there about the options versus, I mean, was it difficult to get funding or did you kind of, did you kind of do as much funding as, as yourselves first? So, I mean, it's a combination. It's a lot of like funding ourselves is more in terms of our time that we put into it. We have received a lot of soft grants. Okay, so right. that's a good option also if you, if you are in a space that is soft grant friendly. You can apply it to many of them, but that takes also a lot of time, of course, and might take some focus. And then we received our first external financing one year after establishing the company. And that was actually not hard, but there was a lot of work that we put into raising the round, but also preparing our company to be like a lucrative company mm. to invest in. Yeah, I understand that it's taking, it's taking longer and longer now to get funding. Uh, as you say, it takes a lot of time as well, and the time versus benefit. Yeah, it sense. takes it takes a lot of time. It's kind of like dating. Mm. <laughs> You're dating many different investors, and sometimes you want to to have a uh, a few of them to join you. So you have to meet many, many to find the five maybe that would invest in your mm. company. And obviously, it's not only one meeting; it's several meetings, and you have to present all the plans that you have for the company, the financials, the team. So it's a lot of uh, preparing material for them, but also just time to sit down and talk to them. And obviously, you want to get to know them as well. So yes. uh, you have to meet many, many to actually find maybe the five that you, you want to take in. So that can be a process of six months or longer, depending. Yeah, yeah. everything does take time, doesn't it? Yeah. How about getting, I mean, you mentioned you were viral with the app, so I suppose that yeah. helped. 
uh, yeah. getting the customers in. Yeah, Is that still I mean, a good strategy. Yeah. Or? I mean, it's a strategy. It's also uh, it, it also shows that you have something that people actually need. Mm. You don't have to convince people to use it. They get it right away and they think it's so great. So they would pass it on to their friends and, yeah. and network. And that's still the biggest part of our growth is the organic growth. So uh, approximately 70% of our growth uh, is just by people spreading our app in their networks, which is great. Yeah, that is fantastic. It lowers our spending on marketing. <laughs> <laughs> which is, it can be a massive cost, that whole marketing yeah. spend. Huge. Yeah. But is it difficult then to get people to the next level to get paid subscribers, I guess? Is that the next challenge, I would say? Or? Yeah, I mean, that's always a big thing for any company yeah. is to, to find the right business model. So maybe some are lucky and find it right away. And for us, we have been tuning a lot, of course. And also we have a, a special kind of user or customer because the, let's say, the, the nurse who's downloading the app and really needs it, she doesn't really think that she should have to pay for it because it's a working tool. Yeah. So the process is a little bit longer until she actually shows it to her supervisor who might be interested in purchasing it. So our end user might not always be the one who makes the decision of actually purchasing the premium version. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting challenge to yeah. get over definitely. Because yeah. even I find in general on, on the, I work in the health, some of the health sector, but dealing with like the public institutions, I guess. Yeah they would be pretty people with budgets can be a challenge. And I guess it would take a long time to get yeah. them to invest in that uh, next e step. Exactly. It, it always takes a, a longer time talking to like bigger players, of course. It's connected to budgets, but as for our product, it's also connected to that there is not really a product to compare it with. So okay. they sometimes they don't even have a budget for this kind of tool because it didn't exist before. So then you have to do a lot of lobbying and talking about the issue and the problem to raise awareness that mm. there is actually another solution for it. But happily and luckily, we have seen that now during the crisis, a lot yes. of uh, bigger uh, institutions, they have become quite quick in implementing these kind of tools because now the technical or the digital tools are more wanted than ever. Yeah, so we've been really happy to see that the bigger regions, for example, in Sweden are actually moving a lot faster in our discussions and starting to implement it a lot faster during these times. Have you seen the numbers using the app a lot more increased? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Recently? Dramatically. So per month, we are at least doubling new users, wow. like the new users per month. And our usage of the app has gone up 300 times. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great to get new users, but you always want to have the users that are actually using the tool a lot. And that's what we've been seeing now. We also did a campaign during April where we gave out the, the premium version to all users for free. So any clinic, any, any doctor could use the premium version. Oh, fantastic. And uh, we wanted to help the ones in need, but also show the people that there is this tool if, if, they, if they would like to use it. So that also helped us to, to get the word out there. So, I would, so in some way, would we say that COVID-19 has been a benefit to you guys? Yeah, 
<laughs> it's, it's, uh, sounds weird to say that we have been benefiting from COVID-19. Hopefully we would have been in the same situation without it too. But obviously it has made a lot of uh, people more aware of uh, the challenges connected to uh, language barriers. So that uh, topic has been lifted a lot. Also, the need of having solutions that minimize the physical contact. So instead of actually booking an interpreter physically mm -hmm. to be present at the patient or doctor's visit, you could use our app and you don't have the problem of infecting people who shouldn't be there or present. So yeah, we have been benefited. Our company has benefited from it and our tool has been spreading more than ever. But from our point of view, the problem of language barriers is not bigger today than it was before the pandemic. Yeah, okay. So we're happy actually that it has become more, like the topic has been lifted more so people are more aware of it because it's really, it's, there are so many consequences connected to language barriers, which we who live maybe in a country where we speak the same language don't even know, yeah. but people have died because of uh, language barriers and miscommunication, misinterpretation. But there's also a lot of costs connected for the healthcare providers. Obviously, the patient safety is less. Mm. Just having a, a third person being in the same room as you when you're you have an intimate conversation with your doctor is it's just not nice, you know? Yeah. So helping with all of that is really great. No, I don't completely get it. I know myself because living in Europe, being an Irish guy, we speak English, we don't have the European languages, but it's so, so challenging when you don't have the communication, no matter what it is. If you can't communicate with somebody, I was building, I mean, I was doing housework. So it was just so difficult and so frustrating when you can't be able mm -hmm. to talk the language uh, and get and, yeah. and what you're getting is just not the same thing. So I can completely yeah. understand it. How about um, in terms of running the business on a day-to-day -day basis now that everybody's working remotely? Has that been a challenge for yeah. you, Meyer? I mean, I wouldn't say it's a challenge for us because we have built our processes and uh, way of working and digital systems even okay. before we yeah, had this situation. But of course, it's always nicer to have the team around you just you know, hearing somebody talk about something, uh, you can like quicker pick up on other things that are happening maybe in a different department. All of that is affecting us to that extent that we're actually having more meetings now. So we are, can make sure that everyone knows everything we should know. Also having just like fun time together needs to be scheduled now. Yeah. So Every day we have a daily check-in uh, where we all just talk about whatever, the weather or a new haircut or whatever. But I can tell that the team, but me, of course, too, we really miss hanging out, seeing each other, having lunch together, you know, talking about not so important things, but those things make you connect better. So in that sense, it has been affecting us, but we have built our structures on like, digital tools uh, mm. such as uh, we're using a lot of Slack or the Google Suite or, yeah, you know, all these tools. But yes. so, so when it comes to the daily work, it, it hasn't been a challenge. Yes, yeah. same, same as ourselves. So, uh, yeah, that sounds amazing, Maya. I mean, what's next? I mean, what's the future for you <sighs> yeah. and for the company? Yeah, we have big ambitions. So our vision 
is to break down all language barriers uh, in healthcare and to make it possible for any patient to talk to any doctor, no matter what language they speak. We want to replace the human interpreter with a digital tool that can be accessed in all kinds of devices. So, and we're not really there yet. We have come a long way, but as I told you before, we have 30 languages today. There are more languages. There's a lot more we can do with um, machine learning when it comes to um, translations and voice recognition and text-to-speech. Yeah, and just grow the company and become the standard, I would say, for interpretation in healthcare. Great. Any plans to move back to Germany? Are you going to stay in Sweden? (laughs) Well, so... Luckily, I grew up with a Swedish mom and the Swedish mm-hmm. culture, so I'm half, half Swedish, half German. I really like Sweden. I really like Germany as well. But Sweden, I would say, is a great country for uh, startups and tech startups. It's a great country for female entrepreneurs. The barriers are a little bit lower. The hierarchy is a lot lower. So, yeah, and it's great to have a family as well. Yeah, I know. I've, heard, I've been there many times, but I've heard fantastic things about the quality of life there. Yeah. And I've got some good friends living there also. But do you find um, there's a lot of women so in tech um, there, or do you kind of face the same kind of challenges to other countries in, in attracting women into tech? I mean, uh, a lot would be an overstatement. But since I've been in the, in the scene, I would say there are more than, than when I started. Okay. Also, there's a culture of supporting women and the culture is it's supporting women when it comes to male entrepreneurs, but also the female entrepreneurs support each other and lift each other up and recommend each other to, you know, their networks. So I would say the culture here is good when it comes to female entrepreneurship, but it's far away from equal to male entrepreneurs. Also, the number of companies founded by female entrepreneurs they get less investment than the male entrepreneurs and so on and so on. So it's the same problem, but maybe less than other countries. Yeah, very interesting because I did a podcast a couple weeks ago about uh, women in leadership in tech. And one of the key outcomes of that was we need to provide more support. And you mentioned there are some great support groups in Sweden. Yeah. That, uh, that helps. Would you say that's uh, I say would you, one of the fundamentals, I guess, to, for women in tech? And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to get support, but... Being a founder and uh, you know starting a company that maybe needs uh, external funding to really be able to take off, I would say that the funding is one of the key things to get. And if that's still distributed unevenly, I mean, then there's something not working quite well. Also, there are studies. I mean, I didn't unfortunately listen to your podcast yet. I, I yeah, have no, to do no, that. No. But there are also studies made that show that startups founded by female founders usually last longer and grow bigger. So the success rate is a little bit higher for females. But since they don't get the initial start as much as male founders, they don't really get to prove themselves all the time. So yeah, but I, you know, me, myself, I I can't complain at all. I've had a good startup life in Stockholm. I've had great support. I've got great investors. So I personally haven't experienced this but yes. um but yeah yeah i'm aware of it yeah well i hope i'd like to think that this is changing um and that we will slowly see improvement. slowly <laughs> 
slowly. Yeah. I know it is slowly happening, but we'll do our best to try and keep on promoting it and highlighting it. And it's great to see co-founders like yourself doing well and because it's great for the women to listen to and learn from your experiences and said that it can be done. I mean, fantastic what you achieved and congratulations. Um, and listen, thank you for your time today. What's the, if you. people want to get in touch with you or learn more about you and your company, what is the best yeah. thing there? So for once, they can go and lo- have a look at our website, caretotranslate.com. Okay. And myself, I'm reached at, on LinkedIn, for example. Okay. So if you look for Maya Magnuson, you can right. find me and connect with me. I would be happy right. to connect with you. Awesome. I'm going to put all that yeah. information in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, thank you for your time today, Maya. Thank you so much.